Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Having access to a vaccine for kids under five will completely change our family's lives. We have a two-year-old kiddo who has an uncommon childhood health condition that um, makes him high risk for COVID. So we've kept him home for basically two years, which is essentially his entire life. And I found myself last week trying to explain to him what a friend is. Um, And I didn't have any examples I could point to that he would understand because he doesn't have any friends. So I've spent, you know, the last two years caught in this tension between, on the one hand, my responsibility to protect him from harm, and on the other hand, wanting to provide him with a normal, happy childhood. So as soon as he's vaccinated, we can bring him to play groups and start um, giving him the kind of childhood I want him to have. Oh man, um, getting our one and a half year old vaccinated would be ultimately freeing. We kind of hear the messaging that everyone who's gotten vaccinated is protected against getting really sick from this or pretty well protected. And everyone who doesn't, it's kind of their fault if they do end up getting really sick. And I think that that messaging really forgets the population of under five and how our lives have not changed at all. I feel like I'm in an extended state of postpartum anxiety with my almost three-year-old. I feel buckets of emotions all day long and also like no one quite understands me. You know, as parents, we haven't been particularly worried But I think, you know, you're always comparing yourself to other parents and trying to find a common ground in comfort. And if everyone was vaccinated, it would just take away just this stress when we're socializing the kids and kind of this unspoken unease. This news with the vaccine is so hopeful and promising and long overdue. And yet the more I read about it, the more it seems like it's another hope and women prayer. And we're supposed to just put our trust that two vaccines will work enough to get them to the booster and hope that that works. It just doesn't make any sense. We spent the first 15 months of my daughter's life in complete lockdown. And then due to our own inability to maintain the insanity of trying to have a 15-month at home and maintain a full-time job, we sent her to daycare, which felt like a huge risk at the time. But it turned out to be okay, and she was safe. And then over Christmas of 2021, she got COVID, which was just devastating in the moment because we had spent, you know, almost two years keeping her away from the virus. But she, like a lot of people, over Christmas got it, and it turned out it was fine. She got a runny nose, and she was a little grumpy for a day or two, and then she was fine. So ultimately, it's a weird thing, but ultimately it was a huge relief for her to get COVID and have it be mild and have her be okay. So I'm hoping that a vaccine will provide that same sort of relief. Uh, We'll get her vaccinated as soon as we can, I think. Pfizer today requesting emergency FDA authorization for a two-shot vaccine dose at one-tenth of the adult dose for kids six months to five years. We have a great opportunity to see the vaccine roll out now in those under fives. You know, there are so many parents that have been incredibly anxious. I'm Annie Reese. 
This is Politico Dispatch. And thanks to those parents who shared their experiences with me. Many parents with children under five have been clamoring to see Pfizer and federal regulators make a vaccination available and in the meantime remain in a kind of limbo, waiting at the Omicron wave and dealing with daycare closures and childcare issues. On Tuesday, Pfizer announced that they'd ask the FDA to authorize their vaccination for under fives, with a possible timeline of getting shots in arms as early as the end of the month. Today, reporter Lauren Gardner on what a COVID vaccine for under fives would look like. When it comes to the the vaccines for the littlest children, it's kind of been this far-off notion that people wanted to be really, really careful about, but we're also really looking forward to because this has been, as you know, the last age group that would potentially be covered by vaccines. So definitely a lot of anxiety there among parents trying to, you know, wait this out. Um, but in December, Pfizer announced that they were not going back to the drawing board, but kind of rejiggering their trial to add a third dose for these kids under five, because when they tested two doses in them, they found that the youngest children mounted an immune response that looked similar to what young adults, like old, older teenagers, young 20-somethings mount. But when it came to like three and four-year-olds, they weren't seeing an adequate response. So that obviously disheartened a lot of parents. Mm -hmm. So what happened Tuesday was Pfizer came out and said, you know, FDA has asked us to start the process, start submitting the data for uh, hopefully getting authorization for these two shots, but we're still expecting to need to ask for a third to be authorized mm -hmm. as well. Um, so while that gets the ball rolling and could, you know, if everything goes well for Pfizer uh, and they get the authorization later this month, kids could start getting their shots later this month and begin their vaccine regimens. But that also means that you're banking on the trial results for this third shot to come out well. Mm. So there's really no precedent for this. And while it does get things going for this younger population, it's also doing so while there's still scientific uncertainty out there, which is definitely different. And if this gets authorized, this would be for children six months through five years, right? Six months through just four years old, technically. So right now, uh, kids ages 5 to 11, there's a vaccine available for them to use under emergency use authorization. It's a different dose than what we're talking about for these littlest children. So it's, it, you know, Pfizer's vaccine, but it's just a different amount of the, the active ingredient than what they're looking at for these young kids. So yeah, six months through four years and 11 months. We talked about the uncertainty and how this is an unprecedented time. There's a lot of scientific unknowns still. How likely do you think this is to be authorized? And what are some of the big hurdles? So that that's a great question. G given that Pfizer said, point blank, FDA asked us to do this, to get this process started, to submit the data that shows that, you know, two doses work this way in this sub part of the age group and then that way in the the slightly older toddlers mm -hmm. that shows that there's agency buy-in here that there's support at some level for this kind of approach 
but for everything to go through, you're still going to need to have that public airing of the data and the science. And that's where FDA and then later CDC's independent scientific advisors step in. So FDA already announced Tuesday that they are going to hold a hearing on February 15th with their uh, vaccine advisory group. And at these meetings, they're they're usually all day. It's about a dozen or so doctors, scientists from all different backgrounds, actually more than that, but a dozen or so who have voting uh, voting power. They all discuss what the manufacturer submitted, the pros and cons, benefits and risks, et cetera. And mm-hmm. benefit and risk is a huge, I mean, it's a huge part of any vaccine debate, but especially so with kids, because you really need to to see that there's a benefit there um, that clearly outweighs any risks of, of vaccination. Um, and if the benefits aren't clear with two shots, two doses of this vaccine, that's, that's going to lead to a really probably intense debate. But the other, the other side of this is that while this group votes on a recommendation to make to FDA, FDA doesn't have to follow it. They can make their own call. So there's going to be this public forum for this discussion, but at the end of the day, it's FDA's call to make. And then once FDA makes that decision, it goes on to the CDC to have their version of the same procedural, a similar process. And how affected have children under five been by COVID? It's been interesting looking at the graphs of cases and hospitalizations with kids because it's differed depending on the age group. Mm-hmm. So th- this act- actually, this age group, uh, you have seen some more severe cases. You've seen more hospitalizations compared to the group of kids who are, say, like 5 to 12, 5 to 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there is definitely a difference between how COVID can affect this younger subpopulation of kids as compared to, you know, more grade elementary school, middle school kids. That being said, it's still a small percentage of the U.S. population that is coming down with severe illness. When you look at who gets the worst cases of COVID, it's definitely senior citizens, people with underlying health conditions, and it's, it's not typically children. But it still exists. And, the, and the, the point that a lot of doctors and scientists who work in this field, and especially those who are focused on pediatrics, the point that they make is, you know, we have diseases like flu, RSV, et cetera, that affect kids every year. And there is a level of hospitalizations and death that we tolerate. Mm-hmm. What is that level going to be with COVID? Do you really want to be okay with a few hundred kids dying every year of a respiratory illness. So that's that's how this gets viewed in the broader context of things that even though it's a smaller number, it's still a significant number of children who have been negatively affected by this. And if this vaccine is authorized for emergency use authorization, how much does this change like day-to-day life? How much does it change the course of the pandemic? Yeah. Great question. Um from the folks I've talked to, uh, who the doctors and scientists who are deep in this issue, it's important to get kids vaccinated because, I mean, they're the future, right? They're going to grow up into adults. It benefits them to have this kind of protection going forward in life. But 
also how many kids are actually going to get vaccinated. If you look at five to 12 year olds right now who have been eligible since November, only about a third have gotten at least one dose, a third of that population in the US. Hmm. So it's important for sure, you know, on an individual basis, but also more broadly within society to get more people that level of immune protection. But if not everyone's going to take advantage of it, is it going to help us turn that corner? It's going to move us more in that direction, but is it actually going to kind of push us over the edge? The, I, I think the jury's out on that. But it, it's important nonetheless, and definitely will give parents a, a level of a level of calm, maybe. Lauren Gardner, thank you so much for talking with me. Thanks for having me. Also today, Senator Jeff Merkley on Wednesday slammed United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres' decision to attend the upcoming Winter Olympics in Beijing despite diplomatic boycotts by multiple nations, including the United States, over accusations of human rights violations by the Chinese government. And House Republicans are out fundraising their Democratic counterparts. House Democrats have long enjoyed a financial edge, but new campaign finance reports this week paint a financially encouraging picture of the GOP's chances of recapturing the House majority. At least 53 Republicans have raised at least $500,000 in the fourth quarter, compared to 38 Democrats. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening.